Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD podcast, sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. That's a two, 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 two. Lots of twos in there. And it's also Groundhog Day. I'm your host, Justin Nielsen. And along with me, as always, is Arusha Pires. He's an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. And we don't have a special guest. It's just Arusha being special as he is every week. Uh, we're, we're doing a little bit of me, uh, we time. We time. So, uh, Arusha, how's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, I, would, I would say it's, it's 2222. Is that a palindrome? I would say happy palindrome day. <laughs> happy palindrome, groundhog, everything like that. Maybe we could uh, do a couple of the scenes from Groundhog Day. Uh, or oh, you I could just, you know, get on and sing I've Got You, Babe, like when the alarm goes <laughs> off, something like that. Uh, actually, I don't know if we have the rights to that, so never mind. Oh, Let's that's not true. Get in legal yeah, trouble. Yeah, we, we um, need to... Well, on today's show, we'll talk a little bit about the follow-through day that we had recently and what that means for your investing. We'll also discuss the reasons we like to be a little bit slower, a little bit more patient. Uh, we'll kind of discuss some of the health of the market, uh, what the breadth is telling us right now. Uh, so a lot to talk about. And of course, we'll try and put in there some lessons on uh, how you how you kind of get into a market after you've been out, if you've been on the sidelines, uh, how quickly you do that. And we'll talk about a few of the stocks that are on our radar and maybe even some shorting uh, opportunities that might be out there. So a lot to cover. Arusha, let's go ahead and start it out with uh, the NASDAQ composite and let's take a look at what happened on Monday and why that is good and what might be suspicious about it. Yeah, so so Monday was really interesting. On, on a price level, we, especially for the NASDAQ, we are way above the 1.25 threshold that we generally look for and it finished up 3.4 percent but the the weird thing was that throughout the day volume was tracking lower on both the s p and nasdaq until like right at the end of the day and all of a sudden there's this surge in volume and so we it qualified for a fall today so what that means is the market is uh now has a chance to rally doesn't necessarily mean it's going to, doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to work, but we, it has a chance. And so we look for something to buy and we throw buy one stock, buy a smaller position, and we see what happens. Are we making money on that stock or not? And, and so that's going to give us the initial feedback. And mm -hmm. if this rally is going to end up working over the next few weeks, we, we will get more and more opportunities to put more money to work. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the mechanics a little bit of what a follow-through day is. So if we take a look at the NASDAQ composite, um, you know, we, we were in a downtrend. I mean, you could start to see the 50-day moving average line. That's the red line on the chart for those of you that are watching the video. That was rolling over. Uh, the 200-day, we had plunged through that. So we were obviously in a downtrend. And once we're in that kind of market environment, we start looking for a follow-through day. Just one day is not enough. And we were talking about this for a lot of weeks, how a lot of the best and strongest percentage gaining days in the NASDAQ have occurred amidst a lot of market destruction. You know, you look at some of those top 10, top 15 days, they're in 2001, 2008, 2020, just added a couple of those big gainers uh, during during the coronavirus crash. So one day is not enough. What Bill O'Neill, the chairman and founder of Investors Business Daily, used to always say is you need another day that kind of confirms the strength of your rally day. So 
day one is your rally. That's when you close up. Or maybe you have a reversal and you, you close near the highs. It's, a, it's, it's still a day of strength. But then you need something to confirm that. And as you mentioned, a lot of times we'll use uh, 1% was the number that Bill used for years and years. But then in the late 90s, we had a lot of volatility, and he, he started upping that number, that threshold. But then we've been kind of toying around with it, depending on what the volatility is, how much movement is uh, considerable. Because one of the things Bill said was, look, these days should show power. They should be an overwhelming show of force and power. Uh, you want it to be unequivocal that, you know, yeah, this, this, is, this is saying that there's a change. Now, um, we did get that. In fact, a lot of people were looking at Friday's action as potentially being a follow through day. It fell short on the volume side, though, because not only do we need that price action, we also want the volume to be heavier than the day before. And we didn't get that on Friday. We did get it on Monday, as you mentioned. And again, it was it was incredible because I know I looked uh, 30 minutes before the market closed, uh, kind of just trying to make my guess. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to hit it. And then in those final 30 minutes, I think I saw uh, a billion extra shares get traded on the NASDAQ composite. Uh, so that did get the volume component. We had the price component. But as you said, that doesn't mean that it's a green light and everything is going to work out uh, roses. Um, if we could go back to 2018, um, this might be instructive just to let people know. Uh, actually, going to 2019 um, in the change date feature. Uh, this was this was when the Fed was starting to talk about raising rates. Uh, a lot of people were concerned about Jerome Powell's uh, steady hand on the rudder of of the Fed boat, and we did have some follow through days in this downtrend. We got below the 200 day moving average line. There was a follow through day right that here. got above the 200 day moving average line, and then immediately rolled over. Um, it happened again just a few weeks later, where we got a follow through day. It went up a little bit, and then immediately. It was a whoosh down. Um, and then we really got kind of uh, oversold. But uh, one of the things I always talk uh, talk to people about is, you know, Bill used to say, look, I don't use oversold indicators because I've, I've seen something be oversold and then get even more oversold. So uh, that's what happened there. And we finally got that follow through day shortly after uh, Christmas. And it was it was off to the races for a little while there in 2019. So just realize that sometimes there will be some false starts. And that's why, as you said, a lot of times we like to go a little bit slower. Yeah. And now, so you don't want to assume one way or the other that yeah. it's going to work or not. You just take it as is and say, OK, we have a follow today. Buy one thing and see how it goes. And it's very important to buy something. It doesn't have to be a full position, but buy a little bit just to get that feedback because what happens, there is going to come a time, I don't think I've ever remember, I can ever remember a time where we had a follow through day and I was, I knew it was going to work. I always have doubts uh, <laughs> right. at that point, yeah. right? And, but the difference is if you put a little bit of money to work and after a week or two, you start to notice that that stock is starting to make a little bit of progress or more importantly, it's not going down. Mm -hmm. That can give you a little bit more confidence to buy the next stock and then eventually the next stock. So it really is for more of a mental thing. So you can kind of change that mindset of being afraid of the stock market and start to get more confidence, start putting more money to work in the market. Mm -hmm. Now, it should also be mentioned that, at least in my experience, there have been a number of occasions where uh, the first two weeks, sometimes after a follow through day, it 
it didn't just go immediately up. Sometimes there was a little bit more of a pause. Maybe some handles were finishing on some bases. Um, I, I think back to the December 20th, 2011 follow through day. Um, I remember that, you know, I was I was starting to buy some things, but it wasn't really until January started that I really made progress. And of course, that was a very powerful rally in that first quarter of 2012. Um, we had had all of these global recession fears. And then it really, again, I, I didn't feel like it was until January that things really started working for me. And it had a phenomenal move from January until April 4th when it topped. Um, uh, well, that's when we went to correction. I remember it actually topped, if I remember correctly, March 26th, because that was the day that I walked into John Becker's office and was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how much money I'm making. And that was the absolute <laughs> top when I did that. Uh, so um, but it was a very powerful rally. And it was, uh, again, incredible. But it was also short. The rest of the year, I feel like, was just about me trying to keep the, the gains from that first quarter because it wasn't the best uh, best environment. Yeah, so I think you make a key point. Sometimes it doesn't immediately start working. Uh, Scott O'Neill always would describe the fall through day. Uh, he would say, think of a 747 as it's taking off. You know, it doesn't immediately take off. It's very slow, barely gets off the ground and just slowly kind of uh, moves in the air. Just And you you almost feel like if you're right near it, that you're going to get hit by it. And then finally, after 30 seconds or so, now it's really starting to start the incline uh, mm -hmm. because it's just so heavy. And sometimes that happens with these markets. It just needs some time for participants to get more confident that the market is done going down and they can start putting more money to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I also want to just share a, a quick little story. If we go back to the current market, um, you know, David Ryan, uh, who, you know, David Ryan was a protege of Bill O'Neill's. Uh, when I started working at the firm back in 1997, the first workshop I ever went to was Bill O'Neill and David Ryan. Wow. And I was just impressed with uh, how how knowledgeable David Ryan was. Of course, he's a three-time investing champion. Um, you know, back in the 80s. And, you know, he, again, just phenomenal success. So one of the things he was pointing out to me is um, on, on that Friday, you can see how it was an outside day on the NASDAQ. You, you kind of undercut the prior three days um, and then you, you closed near the top of the range. And he, he kind of looked at that undercut as a possible signal, uh, an early signal uh, that, that something may be happening, that we could get a rally. But there's also some caution that he was throwing on here that, look, the NASDAQ could very well rally up to the 200-day moving average line and take a pause. So that's a scenario. And this kind of speaks to your point, Arusha, of how you said you've got to be flexible and you've got to kind of think about a number of different scenarios, good and bad. You know, what happens if it gets to the 200-day? rolls over from there or those those 2018 examples where it rolls over what happens if this just keeps on going and if you haven't gotten anything then how much catch-up are you going to have to be doing how much of that um buying extended might you have to be doing um but the other issue is uh, what do you think of the breadth currently in the market and the merchandise that's available because of course if you're going to if you're going to force yourself to buy something there's got to be something out there for you to buy so what, what do you think of those two elements yeah, well, I, I think the first thing about like the NASDAQ coming towards the 200-day, that's going to be some resistance there, and, and it could pause there. But So I'm aware of it, but I don't place so much importance to, uh, in it because it's that second part that you're getting to. I'm looking underneath the surface to look for stocks to buy, 
And if there aren't a lot of stocks to buy, I'm naturally not going to get too ex- uh, too much exposure into the market until the market's really ready to go. So a lot of times what I've found in the past is if it's still not a lot of stocks setting up bases and there's not a lot of opportunities to, to buy stocks, might buy a few and then it fails, kind of like some of those other examples that we went over. Uh, the market might reset or the market might pull back a little bit and that might give more time for more bases to set up. Then the next time it comes around, there might be enough stocks that are saying that they're ready to go and now they're ready to break out and start new uptrends. So it mm-hmm. kind of goes hand in hand, but I'm, I'm generally placing a lot more importance on the individual stocks because I think that's where you're going to get a much better feel for the market. And, and, and that way you're going to get a lot more opportunity to get into the into the market if there are stocks breaking out or if you're disciplined and there aren't stocks breaking out, you're not going to buy be buying a lot of stocks. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So just to kind of talk a little bit about what happened in today's action. um, I mean, if you want to talk Groundhog Day, it certainly seemed like the breadth was an issue today. Uh, The Nasdaq composite did close up half a percent. But it was interesting that, you know, looking at the advancers versus the decliners, the uh, the decliners beat the advancers by almost a two to one margin. Uh, So of course, Google had earnings that came out and um, it had a pretty strong day uh, even though it was well off of its highs it closed up seven and a half percent so that was something that was helping out um, I'm noticing that in after hours we've got meta platforms formerly known as Facebook that just had earnings come out and uh, it's it's getting it's getting slammed pretty hard so we'll see how that ends up tomorrow but uh, that's been one of the issues is sometimes you've got these big heavyweights that are uh, pushing those indexes around to a degree yeah, well, I think the the meta platforms were you know, formerly known as Facebook. Uh, this this is a, a stock or a chart on a technical basis that's been acting weak for a while. Yeah, it's been below. It's, it was below the 50-day moving average, below the 200-day moving average. It was making lower lows, and so there wasn't a. If you're using charts to tell you when to get in, get out of stocks, there wasn't a lot of reason to be in the stock unless you're a long-term holder and you've held it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And and in that case, you're probably up so much that even a 20% drop you can handle. Right. Uh, so it's funny how a lot of times you're going to see that buying action or the selling action way before the news comes out. Mm-hmm. And so what it does tomorrow, I mean, that that's, it's going to be interesting to see first as a 20% gap down. So that's just a monster hit. And this, mm-hmm. I think this happened, a similar thing happened like this three or four years ago to, to Facebook. Uh, but the other thing, what what's the effect that it's going to have on the market, right? We had that Google today that kind of brought the market up a little bit. It wasn't a super strong finish for the market. Google finished okay. But what's going to happen now with, with this market where we're going back to, if I go back to NASDAQ, you kind of, you have this rally. It's starting to, though the volume isn't that convincing the last couple of days getting closer to a little bit more of a resistance area. Overall, this chart for the NASDAQ looks a little weak. And mm-hmm. now if you have something like a Facebook starting to sell off, if that is that going to give more reason for the market to start selling off and maybe come back and start testing the fall through day or maybe even closer to the lows? Yeah. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about, again, how to position yourself, um, how to find stocks, um, maybe uh, some look at some of the industry groups that are holding up well in the current market environment. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Peter Skoufis, founder of Skoufis Capital, has successfully managed money using Bill O'Neill's strategy for the last 17 years. Peter's missed major market crashes, such as the financial crisis of 2008, and most recently, the coronavirus crash of 2020. One of his strengths is finding new leadership in new market uptrends. If you would like to talk to Peter and get his thoughts on the current market and what to do now, or get a complimentary review of your portfolio, feel free to contact him at scoofuscapital.com. That's S-K-O-U-F-I-S capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L dot com. And fill out the contact form or by calling 866-562-2634. Protect your capital and don't miss the next market uptrend. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Paris, O'Neill Global Advisors, Portfolio Manager. And uh, it's Groundhog Day, so we're going to kind of do some of the lessons that we can maybe learn from Groundhog Day. And one of the things that, I mean, I, I really love the movie with Bill Murray. And one of the things that I think is great about it is, this is like the best and longest post-analysis ever. He does a post-analysis on the same day and has all of these chances to get it right. You know, what if I tweak this little thing? Uh, does that get me out of this loop? Um, so let's talk a little bit about post-analysis and how important that is to your, your routine. And we're also going to talk about, again, Bill Murray in the movie. He had a routine. Uh, he also had this repetitiveness uh, to to his day, of course. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's go ahead and start with the post-analysis, Arusha. What, what's your kind of overview of post-analysis and what people should be doing? Yeah, yeah I, I think the movie, it's repetition and frequency, right? Yeah. That, that's how you get mastery. And uh, so with, with uh, your routine, you, you really want to make it as repetitive as possible and so you don't, don't think about it as much. Uh, once you kind of get in that habit so a lot a lot of times i do most of my work on the weekends mm -hmm. and i'll i'll start off going through the the market smith girl 250 and you know, it, it's, it's really easy you just you just click on the stock ideas button and go to the weekly review so for the reason why we kind of created this whole stock ideas and these tabs was to for routines so on the week once a week those weekly routines you're clicking on the weekly review button, and there's the Mark Smith Growth 250 right there. So the reality is we just created it for ourselves. Um, <laughs> right. It really just help us do that routine and not think about it. Um, and so what I'm doing is I'm going that Growth 250. I put it on the weekly chart, and I'm just hitting the space bar and just seeing how are the stocks behaving. Are there any setting up? Arch Resources here just came up. That's the second one on the list, breaking out of a cup with handle getting the blue dot showing that it's starting to become more of an outperformer in the market. And the blue dot means that the relative strength line is at new highs, right? Exactly. Yep. So mm -hmm. the blue dot, what it's doing is it's uh, relative strength line hitting a 52 week high. So telling us the stock's becoming more of a leader in the market and the stock is also breaking out. So it is actionable at this point. So, uh, so what I'm doing is I'm just going through taking a larger list quickly going through the names, looking more at the price and volume action and saying, are there anything setting up? And if they are taking that, those put in a smaller list so I can focus on them a little bit more. And mm -hmm. so every, every weekend, regardless, if you're in an uptrend, a correction, sideways, whatever, uh, I'm doing this because that's how I get the feel for the market. There are going to come times, especially once you're in a correction where early on in the correction, there's nothing. 
their their stocks are all falling. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to protect yourself. You're cutting losses, and and there but there'll be a point where you you've essentially given up hope on the markets, and you you think oh we might be down for a long time, but one weekend you're gonna go through this list, and all of a sudden you'll start noticing there are a lot of bases forming, and you'll be wondering right. where do they all come from. <laughs> uh, and, and, and but that that's kind of and it's it's it is kind of strange like how it changes from one week and also the next week it's like a completely different market uh but that is usually the indicator to me that we're getting close the there are a lot there are a lot of stocks underneath the surface that they're saying that they're ready to go as indicated by all these bases forming uh and now if the market comes around we might have a chance for a sustained rally Mm-hmm. So let me ask you real quick. Uh, so you got the Grow 250 list, and it's just to remind people, this list is actually 30 different screens. And these were screens that I used to run for Bill O'Neill. Um, Mike Webster came up with, uh, it was 33 screens, and this is what we would build his watch list off of. So that's that's what the Growth 250 started out as. This was something that I was running for Bill every weekend, um, and I would put it into his computer so that he could look at it on Monday mornings uh, and, and see where the quotes were were going and stuff like that. But the, the Growth 250 isn't necessarily 250 stocks. Um, we cap it at 300, and so for a lot of weeks, you saw 300 stocks on the Growth 250 because so many names were coming up. But uh, the last few weeks, you've seen that number drop down, uh, and, and now we're below 250. Uh, you know, not only are we below 300, but we're below 250 uh, because there just aren't that many stocks that are meeting the criteria for the screen. So n- once you have this screen, and again, it's a pretty comprehensive list, um, you were talking about using the space bar to kind of go through it quickly. But where do you start? You know, do you do a sort or um, what, what What becomes stock number one that you look at? Well, I I essentially use the the default sort that Mark Smith has with the growth to 50 and it is sorted by industry group rank. And then within that industry group rank by composite rating. So the goal is to highlight the stocks that are in the industry groups that are performing the best. Mm-hmm. And then which ones are, have like the highest overall rating within that in- industry group. So that, that works for, for me. Uh, and Mike Webster came up with that sort. So I'm not going to arg- argue with Mike there, but mm-hmm. um, I, in the end, a lot of times, unless I don't have time, I'm going to go through the whole list. It, it the, the nice thing is once you get used to a, a consistent routine, hitting the space bar, reading the charts pretty quickly, you can go through a lot of stocks in a short amount of time. There are only so many stocks that are setting up. And mm-hmm. so th- that's my first goal is just to go through the names, identify which ones are setting up. And the ones that are not, but they're that are working well, and I can't buy them at that point. I just want to be able to see the name, so at least I'm starting to build a little name familiarity. So, in another month or two, if they start setting up, I might hesitate a little bit more. And go, wait a minute, I've seen that name uh, over and over again. What do these guys actually do? And then I'll mm-hmm. I'll start looking more into it. Right. Um, And, you know, it's worth mentioning that, I mean, we've been using this kind of sorting mechanism uh, for a number of things. Um, You know, Bill used to use this for the the weekly review or your weekend review that we had in the paper. Um, This is also we had these big red books that would come out every week, the data graph books. And that's how it was sorted by industry group. And what I like about the sorting of industry group is that you kind of have these clusters of similar stocks together. And and it kind of lets you know when there's a group move happening 
because uh, because you'll you'll go through and it's like oh here's another i mean like right now oil and gas oil and gas oil and gas you just yep. see so many of the stocks um in the growth 250 are from that sector in fact um i was kind of running some numbers and uh at least as of this weekend we had 17 you know the, the most names were in uh the u.s explorers and producers for oil and gas uh 17 names there 15 names in oil and gas integrated nine in transport pipeline um then you had six in refining marketing uh, uh the international explorer and producers that was uh another six in there uh so again just you had five of the top um top 10 oil and gas and and certainly the bulk of uh the biggest chunk of stocks was from that area now you also have banks you know super regional uh some of the regional banks uh those groups are some of the other ones but nothing like the 17 and 15 that are in the oil and gas um so that's that's another way it it just kind of makes it stick out to you as you just even scroll down that list um and then i also noticed that you have some flags on some some of the stocks how do you use the flags uh well a lot of times i'll use the flags when i'm actually going through the charts themselves hitting the space bar and if something looks interesting in the top left of the chart you can just click on a little flag so it puts a little marker there uh, so that just kind of highlights it then later on when you're looking at a, a list you can go and sort by the flag column and then i can just mm -hmm. click and drag it and put into another uh, another list to to take a look at so it's just a way to sort way to kind of do a triage very quickly right um, so so yeah part of that routine it, right part of the routine <laughs> Uh, and and a lot of it, it, a lot of this is just being organized and list management and stuff like that, right? It, it's funny. I mean, it took me years, and I'm still not great at it to, to be mm -hmm. to be honest. But, uh, but it, it, it's it's just being organized. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of these stocks, and and you'll notice like, wow, you know, this stock looks really good, but it's extended. I want to buy it uh, when it pulls back, and then a month ago, a month later, it pulls back, and you're you've lost track of it. And mm -hmm. so it's pulled back for that one or two days that it comes back to the 10 week line. It bounces off of it and takes off again. And now you notice it a two weeks later after it bounce and go, oh my God, I didn't even realize it pulled back. Right. So mm -hmm. a lot of it is just kind of keeping track of these stocks and uh, you don't have to check them every day, but the, the, you should be checking the ones that you're really interested in every day for sure. So for instance, right now, as Justin, as you highlighted, uh, when, when you scroll down, and a lot of times this is what I would do too, I'd, I'd pull up the initial list for the Growth 250, and I'd just look at the industry names just to see where the concentration is. And there it are- It jumps out there, at you. <laughs> it really jumps out of you, especially the banks and, and mm -hmm. oil and, and um, things like that. But there, there aren't any like normal kind of growth areas that we're right. actually- Like in the whole list, there's nothing here. It's it's uh -huh. it's remarkable, but uh -huh. um, so but you know there are those stocks like the Nvidia's and things like that that you always I always personally like to keep track of. It might be three months from now, six months from now, where they're ready to go. But I don't want to necessarily use track of them if they pull back and start forming a base and stuff like that. So I'll I kind of have like a separate kind of list, like you know that I'll check every week just so I I'm aware that where those stocks are. Uh, in it because it's so easy once again to lose them even some of the best stocks so easy to lose lose them because they're you're going, going through this pretty intense rotation and you're looking at oil stocks and meanwhile all these great stocks that you have a lot more conviction in might be forming bases mm -hmm. and 
you know, again, I think everyone kind of has to come up with their own routine. Um, you know, I, I think the routine is important, at least for me, I am definitely a creature of habit. One of the, one of the things that just really threw me off in terms of when COVID started was, uh, I, my routine was so messed up. I mean, I would like forget to brush my teeth in the morning, you know, and it wasn't until like, you know, 10 AM that I, Oh my gosh, my breath is like horrible. You know, <laughs> you know, I just didn't have the normal routine that I, my, my getting ready routine, um, that, I, that I was used to. So I had to kind of come up with a new routine so that I could have that, that different habit. But I think that, um, you know, everyone kind of has to come up with their own routine, just like Bill Murray did in Groundhog Day, where, uh, you know, he had his routine of, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go under the tree at this point, And the, the little kid's going to fall out of it and you know, <laughs> be in my arms. And, um, you know, it, there were a number of iterations that he did to, to get that right. And uh, this is also why I think it's important for a lot of people that you don't throw your routine out just because the market is is not looking great because uh if you get out of that routine then sometimes it's a little bit harder to get back into it or you could miss things you could miss things um just because you're out of the routine because we never know how quickly or how long it's going to take for the market to turn one way or the other and so by by doing this on a regular basis having that discipline uh it really can go a long way towards towards your success yeah i mean the the best opportunities really do come during the corrections. Yeah. We're not necessarily buying the stocks at that time, but that's when the best stocks are going to form bases and they'll be the first ones coming out of bases in the next bull market. But the other thing I would want to say is with the routine, if you're, if you're newer to this, you don't have to spend hours and hours uh, on a huge routine initially. Just spend maybe 20 to 30 minutes on the weekend, maybe five to 10 minutes on the week during the weekdays. Uh, because this way, the most important thing is consistency and to let the routine become a habit. Yeah. Then eventually, after it becomes a habit and after you start really getting into it, you're going to be spending a lot more time because it's, it's not a big deal then. But I remember early on, it was very hard for me to mm -hmm. do this because I felt like I had to do a lot. Right. And mm -hmm. then. And who wants to do a lot, right? It was just like <laughs> looking at the charts and all this stuff, right? Especially if you're not really into it at that time. So consistency is the most important thing. Let it develop a habit. And in the end, a lot of this is hanging around long enough until a great market comes around. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Um, so one other thing I just want to point out, uh, because I, I like to use it a lot, and for people that are maybe a little intimidated about going through uh, 250 names or or more in the Growth 250, is that there's the pattern recognition yes. lists. And that just makes it a little bit easier for you to go through fewer names very quickly. So if you don't have a lot of time, I think this is a great place for people to start with these pattern recognition lists. Um, now, I, I'd, I'd caution you, you know, because break, breaking out today, a lot of people will just look at that. What can I what can I do right now? And a lot of times by the time it's on that list, it's almost too late. If you're if you're seeing it when it's there, it's like, hey, everybody's seen it at that point. It's obvious. Uh, so I like to really look at the near pivot. Um, those that are maybe setting up or even the recent breakouts, because sometimes those are ones where maybe it broke out, maybe it's pulled back, maybe it's setting up again. I, I try to, you know, keep an eye on those. Do you have any of uh, the, the favorite pattern recognition ones that you look at? 
Well, well, for I, I do, but the the first thing the and we're, we're we're first of all we're not really we we didn't intend to make this more of a kind of like a, a demo for markets. <laughs> right, right. uh, it was about the routine. It was about routine, that's, that's, and that's built, where it came from. Exactly, and, and but the reason why we use marks is because we built all of the routine into mm-hmm. Marksmith from what we learned in house, right? And I didn't even know about some of those stories that Justin talked about where the girl 250 came from, but it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense now. Uh, but so all these, those lists that Justin was talking about right now, the breaking on today, near pivot, recent breakouts, those are using pattern recognition and going through the girl 250. So if you don't have a lot of time, this is the place to start off. So near pivot, that's the best one to start because those stocks haven't broken out yet. It's only 16 stocks you have to go through on the mm-hmm. weekend, right? Or, you know, maybe the weekday if you have time. Uh, so those are the ones when you're newer. If you don't have a lot of time, just go through those lists. Um, now, when you get a little bit more advanced, when you really start getting into it, uh, the RS line blue dot, that's yeah. one that I like to go through. What I've learned over the years, especially after working in-house for many, many years, is that at least to me and a lot of others, relative strength is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so using that RS line to identify stocks that are outperforming the market and now combining that with the ones that are setting up, that's the RS line blue dot. And so that helps you at least find actionable stocks that are starting to outperform the market. Now, this is a pure technical screen. They might not necessarily have the technicals and all that stuff. So you have to do some of that work too. But this will help highlight some stocks that have potential, at least leadership potential, uh, and and will at least get you familiar with some ones that are could potentially do well in the next uh, bull market. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one other one I just want to mention, uh, honorable mention for tight areas. That's another list that I like to yep. go to. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I, I usually, I usually go. Yeah, there we go. Um, so again, uh, Arusha's in the in the stock ideas, the open stock ideas, and and that's where he's finding a lot of these. Um, you know, I a lot of times will go on the left hand side of the lists and just you know pull pull the reports out from there. There's there's 17 names there. Um, one caution on the tight areas: uh, sometimes you will get uh, stocks that have been acquired. Uh, the, the, the acquisition news has come out, and so you see, oh, look at this tight action. Yeah. Um, but it, it's 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 kind of false you know in a way it's, it's just because it, look there was a price given uh t- take a look at mime for instance mimecast m-i-m-e um you know man that that's some really tight action it's it, look look at all those three weeks tight it's like well that's basically the price that was offered for it and unless something happens where someone comes in at a higher bid or the deal falls through it's pretty much going to be pinned at that price so um exclude those uh from your from your tight <laughs> tight screen uh you will see those pop in in there every now and then um but absolutely the rs line blue dot is is a great one uh to look at um and and also realize that that list is going to be a little bit larger but you can sort it by when it hit the blue dot and so those newer names um, may be coming to your to your forefront yeah um, it's no, it's normally sorted by the the latest one so exactly. you can go through like the first 10 yeah right. you don't have to what we the reason why we created it this way is to keep an archive of them because the, just because it has a blue dot doesn't necessarily mean you're going to buy it at that point, but they mm-hmm. may pull back. They may set up again. Uh, and so this way it's almost like a different type of watch list or a universe list that you can look at when you have time. So again, have your routine, 
that repetition, um, you know, that, that chance for the post analysis along the way and kind of do that multiple iterations so that you get better, more organized and get your process down. Uh, look, it worked for Bill Murray and Groundhog Day and it can work for your investing. So when we come back, we're actually going to talk about some Groundhog Day related, uh, <laughs> related stocks. So stay tuned for that. Peter Skoufis, founder of Skoufis Capital, has successfully managed money using Bill O'Neill's strategy for the last 17 years. Peter's missed major market crashes, such as the financial crisis of 2008, and most recently, the coronavirus crash of 2020. One of his strengths is finding new leadership in new market uptrends. If you would like to talk to Peter and get his thoughts on the current market and what to do now, or get a complimentary review of your portfolio, feel free to contact him at scoofuscapital.com. That's S-K-O-U-F-I-S capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. And fill out the contact form or by calling 866-562-2634. Protect your capital and don't miss the next market uptrend. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Justin Nielsen here along with my good buddy, uh, Ned Ryerson, otherwise known as Arusha Pierce, uh, the O'Neill Global Advisors, one of the O'Neill Global Advisors portfolio managers. Uh, so let's go ahead and keep with our Groundhog Day theme. Uh, again, I was a big fan of the movie, so uh, I actually... I tend to watch it once a year. Uh, I, because... I might go watch it right now after this. <laughs> right. So let's go ahead and start. Um, of course, we had Puxatani Phil, uh, and Phil Connors was Bill Murray's character. So let's maybe take a look at Philip Morris. Um, it just kind of shows you that a lot of the names that are working are of the more defensive nature. I mean, we're usually not looking at tobacco stocks, but when you look at the bases, um, here's, here's that pattern recognition with the cup with handle showing up on Philip Morris. The ticker symbol is PM, uh, tight action here the last few weeks. Um, what's, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, it, it is acting well. It, it's not necessarily a stock I'm going to buy, but it's a stock that I'm going to notice because it's telling you something about the market. Like you were saying, where if, if the market, if the money is starting to go more towards these stocks and it's forming a cup with handle, it's really tight action. It's showing accumulation. So it's behaving well on a tactical basis. The relative strength line is starting to move near new highs. You're getting some good volume on the, the weekly chart right here. So overall, technically it's acting well, which is good for Philip Morris, but not necessarily good for the market. Um, and then the earnings and sales are, are pretty solid too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another area that I keep on seeing you know, as I'm going through screens, it's like, wow, a lot of utilities are showing up. And again, utilities, that's just not something that is typically going to be leading in our type of market. Uh, so that's that's certainly something to be keeping aware of. Also on the defensive nature, um, AIG. I mean, we all remember Ned Ryerson showing up to Phil and saying, hey, let me sell you some insurance. You know, Phil? Phil Connors. Phil Connors. Uh, <laughs> so uh, AIG, of course, uh, some of you may remember this from the great financial crisis. Um, but here it is, uh, cup with handle. You know, a lot of these insurance names are also uh, setting up. Now, here you can kind of understand a little bit of the fundamental side with the with the treasury yields getting, you know, getting up there. Uh, that is going to benefit a lot of these insurance companies with annuities and so on. Um, so there is something going on there, but uh, certainly you see some some bases in a lot of these insurance companies. 
Yeah, I mean, technically, this is acting really well. It's forming a cup with handle, starting to get over the short-term resistance within the handle that uh, above that 59.50 area, and then the 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 buy point out of this cup with handle is 62.25. So this is another one that is acting well. The volume on the daily chart, you're seeing more accumulation going on, and it's been in a pretty nice uptrend too. So a little bit of a slower moving moving stock here. Uh, but this is a, there's another one where the money's going to when when there's uncertainty uh, of what the Fed's going to do, what what how the market's going to react to earnings, things like that. A lot of times the the money's going to go towards uh, quote unquote uh, safer stocks, and and so AIG uh, can fall into that category right now. And uh, earnings and sales for the most part are okay. I mean you're getting accelerated uh, sales. Uh, over the last uh, three, four quarters here, and the earnings uh, were really good a couple of quarters ago too. So overall, this kind of has everything. And now, once again, it doesn't necessarily fit in the kind of classic growth stocks that we look for, but you just kind of have to listen to the market. And if you want to play, you have to kind of go more towards these type of stocks. At least know where the strength is. But yeah. I, I think one of the things that you did say, though, is – uh, it, it's a slower moving stock. You have to manage your expectations. You know, don't expect a Tesla type move out of an insurance stock. Uh, yes. That's that's just not generally going to happen. I mean, we had Lemonade, of course, the the IPO <laughs> yeah. that, that came out that was doing something different in the insurance space. But uh, generally, you see a lot of three weeks tight. Those are those blue shaded uh, areas. Um, you're going to see a lot of those in there and, and there's going to be a lot of this that's going to be like watching paint dry uh, when you look at the weekly chart and you're just going to sometimes get frustrated it's not going anywhere but at the same time a lot of times it doesn't necessarily do anything wrong either it just uh is is a slow mover slower mover so yeah I I, now we have the luxury of not having to play in the markets or don't have to put right. a lot of money in the markets when the markets are in a correction or when they're a little bit more challenging the institutional fund managers, they don't have that luxury. And so they have mm. to move the money more into other areas and and try to kind of play the rotation and look out three to six months and say, OK, where can we park some money to kind of ride it out if the if there's uncertainty? So mm -hmm. so that's one of those luxuries that we definitely have. Uh, but that being said, yeah, this is this is one stock that I don't know if I really want to buy this stock on a breakout. This might be more of a pullback stock. Uh, to buy maybe you know off the 200 if i had to buy it versus trying to buy near new highs because it doesn't always like to doesn't always work when it when it breaks out yeah and and again you know sometimes what the institutions are doing it's not that they're trying to make money on these it's a they're just trying not to lose money. Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, sometimes it's about that, that capital preservation. And you'll notice that a lot of these defensive names, um, you know, we generally aren't looking at PE ratios uh, because a lot of the growth names, um, Bill always felt like you get what you pay for. Sometimes you have to pay up, uh, pay up for quality. Um, but right now it certainly seems like a lot of the higher PE stocks are out of favor and the ones that are in favor a little bit more are the, the ones with the lower PEs, especially relative to the S&P 500. Um, also, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the earnings, uh, a lot of the estimates I've noticed in, in a number of stocks uh, are, are not looking great. The, the 2022 estimates, um, you know, going a, a year or two out, a uh, lot of negative, negative estimates there. Now, some of that is due to maybe some, some tough comparisons, um, you know, but um, that's something to just just be aware of. So AIG, the fact that it has double-digit estimates still yeah. uh, for 
for for this. It actually puts it in a, in a uh, unique class because there's uh, double digit estimates are not that easy to come by for 2022 right now. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting thing to to note there. Uh, it, it's just that this type of market right now, and, and markets, the money is going more towards kind of good, solid companies, right? That are just fundamentally sound. They don't necessarily have to have that great growth potential. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you talk about kind of the repetition and the, uh, the, the stock that keeps on coming back day after day, uh, Apple, you know, really has to kind of be top of the list because this is a, a stock that just never seems to quit. It has its moments where it bases, but then, um, you know, you, you, you wait long enough and it, it's, it's right back there on the leadership screens and, um, you know, looking like possibly a new setup. So what's, what's your take on Apple? Yeah, I mean, it just keeps popping up like the the groundhog here, um, mm -hmm. and it got back above the fifty day moving average this week. Now it, it's it makes it a little bit harder to buy because it's almost kind of a V shaped type of recovery here. So ideally, it pulls back and settles down a little bit. Uh, it's kind of hard to see a, any kind of base right now uh, for this. And so, if you're really looking to buy this stock, you probably have to use more like of the fifty day moving average or something. And just kind of use that as a risk management here. But uh, this is one that broke out in November and everyone kind of doubted it at that point because mm -hmm. it was kind of lagging versus the rest right. of the market. At that you look point. at the relative strength line. There. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, but uh, it ended up going pretty close to 20 percent. And and suddenly it almost and, you know, what happened essentially was that money was looking for some some place to go. Once a lot of the higher growth stocks initially got hit in November, so like, oh, let's just park some in Apple, and mm -hmm. and uh, that ended up uh, working pretty well for the shareholders. Mm -hmm. And for a while there, I mean, we, we kept on talking about how the indexes were being propped up by uh, the trillion dollar club members, you know, Apple and Microsoft and Google. And at at a certain point, it seemed like those were starting to roll over, and that's when the indexes really got in trouble. But you look at Apple here, and the fact that it's holding above its 200-day or held above its 200-day, now it's already back above the 50-day, where the indexes um, are not showing anywhere near that type of strength. Uh, it does just kind of point out that, you know, Apple Apple does have that relative strength, and you see that relative strength line right there at new highs. Yeah, it's at a critical area, though, now, because it's come up to a little over 180 a couple of times and failed. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's see how the market treats it at this area. Ideally, you still want to be disciplined. You still want to let the stock truly set up instead of just going and chasing the stock right now. Uh, and it set up a beautiful cup with handle back in November. Uh, it hasn't set up anything at this point. And so it could be still volatile. It could be choppy. And it just makes it that much harder to to manage your risk. Right. And if you even look at, you know, today's high and just kind of draw a line, you know, straight back, you can kind of see even where it is right now is um, is kind of an area of resistance that it's it's hit before. You know, it, yeah. it kind of got up there in January. Um, you know, it, it did break through it, you know, after a little pause uh, in December. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it handles itself in the next few days. Now, of course, uh, since, since Bill Murray was the star of Groundhog Day, we might as well look at Bill, B-I-L-L, uh, Bill.com. So what is Bill up to now? 
Well, it, yeah. Well, here it looks like the it looks like the groundhog saw the shadow and back in. Uh, uh, this one is is uh, let's see how far off the fifty two week high it is. Forty seven percent correction, right? And this is and this is why we and that's always... after it's rallied up off the lows. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's true. Strongly. That's a very good point. Yeah. So, uh, so this this is one reason, and and let's see when it's really started to break the fifty day. So at the end of November, early December, that's when it really started to get hit. Uh, and this is why we really respect not only risk, but also the 50-day moving average. Because when they, when they break those moving averages on heavy volume, a lot of times they need a rest. Uh, we don't know how much of a rest and how far down it's going to go. But there are times uh, during a market cycle where they go down a lot further than you can imagine. And this is not unusual for a lot of these growth stocks. Bill is not unusual here. It's it's 47 percent after that rally. So this is probably like 50, 60 percent at the lows. Uh, and right. so it just needs a, a lot of time. So we're bringing this up more as you know, maybe in a few weeks, if it has a little bit more of a rally, this is one that potentially could be considered a short. Yeah. Um, now, I think one thing is if we're starting to look at some of these as shorts, we might be getting close to the next bull market at at this time because right, right. it, 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 the stock has been going down for a good couple of months here. But you know it, it, that two hundred day is going to be it should be uh, some good resistance there. The fifty day might cross below the two hundred day pretty soon, and so you could have two reasons for some pretty good resistance if this stock rallies back up towards the uh, two hundred day moving average. Yeah. I'd also say this is where you have to be very careful of saying, you know what, I'm going to buy this when it's at the bottom of a cup, you know, because uh, after this got support at the 200 day moving average line and got up, you know, right around 250 and just was hovering there for a little while in December, I could easily see people saying, oh, look, I'm going to buy this at, at a cheaper price. Um, you know, this has got to be the low. There's no way it's going lower. It got support at the 200 day. And that just didn't turn out to be the case. You know, they can always go lower. You always have to, um, I, I'm not saying that you always have to look at the the worst case scenario, uh, the, the the case where it goes down, but you have to consider that and have your line in the sand. If you did uh, try and get this off the 200 day moving average line, uh, you have to make sure that you have some type of stop loss in place because risk management is so important. And then one final thing, they are reporting earnings tomorrow. Yeah. And so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that reaction. Even if it were to jump up, say it jumps up 15 percent on earnings, you're, you're still not necessarily buying it uh, at, at this point. It still needs to go through a basing process. It still needs to go sideways and settle down. Mm -hmm. So, uh, of course, Groundhog Day, it was the workday that just never ended, kept on going over and over. So we might as well look at workday, ticker symbol W-D-A-Y. And uh, here's another example of a stock that has been in a downtrend for a while. That 50-day moving average line has already rolled over. Try to get up to the 200-day again, got turned away. So this was actually something that we put on as a short for Swing Trader. Um, how, how do you handle shorts yourself? Do you, do you ever do it or do you just kind of stay away from it? I generally stay away from it. I don't play around too much. If I if I try shorting stocks, I'll play really small, and I'm just doing mm -hmm. it more as testing and just trying to learn more than anything else. Uh, I'm just not good at it. So I, I've, I've just found over the years not to spend too much time there, uh, simply because first I'd lose money during that time. But the, the, other, the other thing that I found was I would get so focused on shorting stocks yeah. that my mentality... Uh, I was very slow to turn when the market turned. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still looking to short the rallies and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So I, I prefer to look more towards the long side and, and looking for the next bull market because I'm that much quicker to get into the next bull market versus if I'm constantly wasting energy trying to short stocks. Now, there are some people out there who are really good at this and it can be very profitable very quickly if you if you time these well. Uh, and, and you guys putting it on swing trade around this time makes a lot of sense because uh, that 200 day is a key resistance right now. It's proven it over and over again. And I guess you can, and I'm, I'm assuming you guys are probably just using a little bit above the 200 day as your stop. Um, yeah, actually, you know what? Um, I think we put the stop just just slightly above 250, uh, okay. right, right yeah. there at 253. So rather okay. than um, rather than the high of that day, I mean, you can see that today's high and the high of a couple trading days ago was right around the same, you know, yeah. at like 250, 253 or something like that uh yeah so um you know it, it seems like if it gets if it gets back up there and really kind of pounds through there then yeah um on the flip side uh, we you know on, on swing trader we're gonna be taking our profits early on this it's um you know we're, we're not trying to make a bunch of money on this it's just again to kind of pe- keep people engaged and and you know show that we're still looking at stuff and also uh, as you said it's just one of those things to kind of take a look at yeah, I mean, and Work is a stock that even on the long side, when we were in good markets, that I just gave up on trying because in, in, every time I tried it, it just didn't make progress. It just chopped me around. And there are some stocks, and you can just look on the weekly chart here. There are just some stocks that it's just not in their character to trend well. And this is one of those stocks. Yeah. Now, it, it it does have some times where it can really start falling. Now, this was more to March 2020, but even to the the, the short side, this is one that doesn't trend very well. And so I, th- I think it's really smart that if if it starts to fall a little bit, take some of those profits pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, I just want to kind of get, come back to the point that you made. Um, one of the reasons why, you know, look, Bill, Bill O'Neill did some shorting, not very much. Uh, but that mentality that you talked about is so important. If you get in your mentality of I'm looking for these these rallies to, to short into or um, you know, again, it, it, he always looked at it as, okay, I'm making some pennies on the short side, but I could be missing the dollars on the yeah. long side. And uh, you just have to make sure there, there, there is an optimism that we, I think, all have with, uh, with our trading. Uh, that optimism that overall the uptrend uh, is overwhelmingly in your favor and the long side is where most people make their money at. And so uh, just, just make sure that you're not losing sight of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one big reason why I just stopped, why I gave up on the shorting is once I heard Bill <laughs> didn't do it and he was having trouble on it. It's like, then mm-hmm. why am I wasting time on it? Yeah. So, well, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, hope you guys all had a great Groundhog Day. And if you want, you can just watch this whole episode over and over again. Just to or better yet, just watch the movie. <laughs> just watch the movie. Yeah, probably a little bit more entertaining. Although uh, before the show, I mean, we had a lot of entertaining stuff in terms of uh, just, uh, you know, if, if you look at how far back oh, Groundhog yeah. Day was from today, um, it's the same as Groundhog Day was from like 
Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. So just to put the time frame in perspective of how long ago that was. So um, hope you all had a great Groundhog Day and we will be seeing you next time. And on the show, as our guest, we're going to have Mark Newton. Uh, Mark Newton is a CMT. So, uh, of course, that's a designation that Arusha holds himself. He is the global head of technical strategy at Fundstrat Global Advisors, a frequent contributor to both CNBC and Bloomberg. So it'll be great to uh, pick his brain a little bit on some of the technical action that he's seeing out there. So hope you stay tuned for that. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.